If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of In The Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen, and I'm so grateful that you are here. You know how I rock. I love just jumping into conversations with people who are doing really remarkable work, but they have a story of impact. Like they they had to scrounge and scrape their knees and they had to be okay with uncertainty and face fear and really just be okay with sometimes not knowing what direction they were headed, but they knew that it was purpose-driven. And that is absolutely my guest today, Ryan Leak. Ryan is an executive coach, author, filmmaker, and motivational speaker who teaches leaders and also athletes how to overcome obstacles that pre- prevent them from succeeding in life and business. His teachings cover so many relatable areas of life. Like I saw one that was like, how do you get rid of your, or get over your unrealistic expectations? Which listen, we all deal with, we deal with that. Also quality goal setting and even the art of giving up when necessary. Yes, it is okay to give up. Sometimes you need to give your permission, yourself permission to do so. Uh, so Ryan provides high achievers with the tools and skills that they need to level up their existence. And again, I'm so grateful that he's here today with us. Ryan, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Your smile is <laughs> contagious. I could, you, you like radiate, you know, I, I could see why you have an impact on other people. It's just like you, you give the belief that we're going to have a great day. So, so I'm really looking forward to today's, to today's Oh, episode. well, thank you for saying that. In my research, I felt the same way. I'm like, man, the energy that is coming out is so, and the word that came to mind was vibrant. So listeners, hold on to your seat. You are in for a ride. <laughs> now, I am interested to hear about your journey because, again, in my research, we seem very similar that we are multi-passionate people and you can stick us in almost any room and we will know what to do. That's the (laughs) sense that I'm getting. And so I was looking at your journey and I would love for you to just kind of walk us through how you got to where you are today. I even saw at one point that there was like this quest to make an NBA team and you tried out for the Phoenix Suns. So don't leave that milestone out. Uh, But yeah, give us the give us the journey. Okay. Well, I, uh, how far back do you want me to go? Like where I was born, like St. Louis? Do we, do we go, do I start at college? Do I, I think ultimately my journey started with uh, my parents. My parents were pastors and they instilled a lot of just personal values in me of just how you treat people. And, and my dad was not famous by any stretch of the imagination, but I just, I watched him show up for, our very small, lower income neighborhood outside of Chicago. And he just, he just loved people. And, and that, that was where I really learned to just show up for people and do your best and and serve people as best as you possibly can. And I also noticed that like people on the nonprofit side of things, well, they, they didn't have profits. (laughs) And I thought, well, what if what if I could be for profit? What if I could build businesses to help nonprofits? Because I really had a mind for business, but a heart for for ministry. And I was like, well, how do those two kind of coexist? I'm not really sure that that they can, but hey, let's go find out. So I went to North Central University, uh, which was a Christian university. I got a minor in Bible and a degree in business. And so I still had a little bit, a little bit of both and still had no idea and still 
trying to figure things out. You know, it's fresh out of college. And and so I just started serving at, at a church in, in Dallas and a couple of friends just said, hey, man, will, will you will you come speak? And it was a room of 10 people. And, and do you then, remember what that first um, talk was about the topic? Oh, it's interesting to see I where really we've come don't. from, though. Like, I really don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I look back at some stuff I said five years ago and I'm like, <laughs> wow, like, what were you talking about? And who who gave you a mic? What were they thinking? So I, I think a couple of things of just like, you know, I, I would just give my best to I give the same energy to a room of 10 that I would a uh, an arena. It's just like you just you just continue to give your best. But then during that period, my wife and I were dating and I overheard her tell a friend that she thought it would be cool to get engaged and married on the same day. And I didn't really know what that meant. So I guessed and began planning our wedding behind her back over the course of two years. And so June 7th, 2013, I get down on one knee. I say, Amanda, will you marry me? She says, yes. I said, just kidding. Will you marry me today? And we open up a lounge room door. 85 of our family and friends are standing in there with a sign that says, today, we rolled in a dress, hairstylist, makeup artist. And uh, we were engaged for like 11 hours and we got married that night. Filmed the whole thing, made a documentary. It's called The Surprise Wedding. It's on YouTube. Uh, It went viral. Then uh, we went on a couple of different TV shows. One of those was the Queen Latifah show. On the Queen Latifah show, my wife surprised me back, if you will, with the Queen and got me connected with uh, my childhood idol, if you will, Kobe Mm. Bryant. Kobe Bryant comes on the screen. He says, hey, Ryan, I like peed on Queen Latifah's right, right, couch. Right. I was like losing my mind. I was like, I can't <laughs> believe this man knows yeah. my name. This is absolutely insane. And so they sent me an open invitation to Staples Center to come hang out with Kobe and the Lakers. And I was just like, this is this is the wow. greatest thing wow. ever. And so I had three months to prepare to, to meet Kobe Bryant. And in preparing for that i was like man what are we going to talk about and every subject that i came up with i was like this is not going to work but i thought well if i was in the nba we could then talk about work you know so i uh, at north central university um, i played college ball there i was all american and there's the ncaa and we were ncaa d3 ish status pending the years that i played there so we were in the NCCAA, which stands for National Christian Collegiate Athletics Association. So I like to say amongst Christians, I'm very good at basketball. <laughs> Taking <laughs> the whole gym down, aren't you, Ryan? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Church League MVP. And so, but I never pursued the pros, but I, I'd go to a couple NBA games every now and then and just, I just had this idea, like I could do their job. It's like, yeah, but the difference between you and them is they've tried and you haven't. And so- I thought, well, if I'm going to, you know, be getting ready to meet Kobe, I at least want to be able to say, like, I'm moving towards this NBA dream. And so a friend of mine from uh, the Chicago Bulls, um, he was waived from the team. The Chicago Bulls were the worst team in the league at the time. So he gets cut from the team. I'm 6'3", 205 pounds. He's 6'5", 245. And he comes back to Dallas where I live and we start working out together. And he beats me every single time. And I thought if the worst team in the league cut this guy who is extremely good at basketball, they're not going to give a guy from a D3 ish school <laughs> a chance. And so I was like, yeah, let's just give up on that whole deal. And so 
then I thought, man, Ryan, you had you had a dream one day and then you gave up on it the next. Mm. And you've talked yourself out of moving forward. You know, some of the content that you talk about, you know, the the reframing of your mind. And that was the day that I reframed how I talk to myself mm. about the future. Mm. And so I thought, man, what if you will probably fail, but what if you just move towards it? Let's let's give failure your best shot. And let's see what let's let's just see what happens. And so I started a new documentary that day called Chasing Failure, where I asked people, you know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't yeah. fail? And for me, when I answered that question, I said I'd be in the NBA. So when I met Kobe Bryant, I said, Hey, my name's Ryan, and I'm going to uh, I'm gonna do a documentary called Chasing Failure. I'm gonna ask a lot of people, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And Kobe goes, Yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to be in the NBA. He goes, yeah, <laughs> do it. And I'm like, wrong answer. Don't stick with the Nike slogan, dude. You know, and I'm like, you got to you, you gotta tell me how hard it is. But he didn't. Mm. He just said, just do it. And so I uh, I didn't know how to get an NBA workout. It's incredibly difficult. It's not it's not a church league. It's not lifetime <laughs> fitness, it's not open gym. Like there's a protocol. You need to go to a real school. Like there's so much yeah. involved. So I uh, I Googled every single email address for the public relations department for every NBA team. I just started emailing them one by one saying, hey, I'm doing this documentary. Would you let me try out for your basketball team? I'll probably fail. But what if I don't? There's only one way to find out, and that's for you to let me try. And so uh, the Celtics were the first team I reached out to, and, and they said, hey, this is a wonderful idea. It's just not for us. Best of luck in your future endeavors. And I was like, man. Mm-hmm. This idea is so bad that they won't even let you fail mm, at mm. failing. This is like, you're failing to fail. This is this is dumb. Don't even do it. But then I thought, man, did the Boston Celtics just email me back? This is awesome. Like, I'm a complete stranger off the streets. This is, this is absolutely insane. Hey, you know what? I'm going to do a documentary about being told no by all 30 NBA teams. And let's just see what we can learn from the word no. Mm. And fifth email goes out to the Phoenix Suns and they say, hey, we love this idea. Come on Monday. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like I did. I did not expect anybody to to say yes. And I was injured Mm. at the time. I was just doing my due diligence. And so I was like, oh, man, this is. Yeah, I'll I'll be there on Monday. Let's stretch. (laughs) Let's like, hey, like, like, well, we're we're going like I'm not going to miss this opportunity. And so there's not much in life that can prepare you for the on-ramp from, you know, the YMCA to oh, an NBA on. practice no. court in a weekend, but <laughs> but we did it. I wish there was a camp for it, but there isn't. So we, uh, so yeah, we, we went to Phoenix and we had a two-day workout with the Phoenix Suns. Extremely grateful to that organization for giving me an opportunity of a lifetime. And I indeed failed. And I learned so much about mm. failure. What was the biggest thing that you learned from that experience particularly? Well, at one point I'm running and embarrassed Mm. because there's so many NBA standards. For example, uh, NBA standards can be simplified to something like this. Hey, we want you to take 20 shots. You need to make 18. Mm -hmm. That's NBA Mm -hmm. standard. I was making 15, Mm -hmm. 16. So it's like, I'm good, but it's like, they're Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And so... I, it was clear that I was not hitting NBA standards. And so they have a running drill where you it's about how many times you can get down and back in three minutes. 
And I was falling short of that standard and I just ran out of gas. I mean, it was just like, this is embarrassing. And you've invited your friend to come film your most embarrassing moment of your life. And who wants to fail in front of other NBA professionals? Like this is the dumbest thing you've ever done in your life. And I look down and I see this logo and it's the Phoenix Suns logo. Most of the time it's a lifetime fitness logo. But on this particular Monday afternoon, it was a Phoenix Suns logo. And I asked myself, how did you get here? Cause there's a lot of places you could be on a Monday afternoon. And I realized chasing failure took me further than chasing success every mm. day. I'd done a lot of things in my life, but I'd never been on an NBA practice court in hindsight, 2020 NBA teams don't give workouts to motivational speakers with convincing emails. That's not how it works. People are always telling me that by the way, even in my executive coaching practice, number one phrase I hear, Brian, we don't do that here. It's just not me. It's just not us. I'm always like, well, it's just not you today, but it could right. be you tomorrow if you began to think a little bit different. And so, yeah, I know NBA teams don't give workouts to motivational speakers from convincing emails, but I learned in Phoenix, sometimes they make an exception and you'll never know if you're an exception to a rule unless you're willing to ask. And that's really the biggest difference between me and most people. And the second thing now that I, I work with about five different NBA teams is I've learned that there's more than one way to be in the NBA. You got all sorts yeah. of positions. And I would never know that unless I was willing to, to put myself out there a little bit. So I wrote a book on failure that came out last year as well. I studied failure for, you know, five, six years. And we, we fail at something every single week. We're constantly willing to fail, which most people just aren't. I'm willing to lose. And that's why we, we keep winning. So, and we lose all the time. And so there are ups and downs in in that, whether that's speaking, whether that's writing, whether that's working with a client, we've lost clients, we've, we've won clients. I mean, it's all of yes. the above. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, we love Kobe as well. We have the Mamba mentality out on our TV shelf. And uh, yeah. my dad is actually best friends with Kobe's uncle, uh, Chubby. Shout out to Uncle Chubby. And, awesome. and so I love... One, that we share that kinship, right? Because what's most impressive about Kobe Bryant really was his mentality, which I'm glad he locked in on that to share with the world. And it's very much of what you're sharing. Uh, it's been your mentality that has carried you from different seasons, that has carried you through different trials, which I admire very much. Actually, I saw this podcast and they said one of the, I forget uh, which player it was. He said one of the best advice I got from Kobe Bryant was, you know, you know the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And he said, huh, but what if you could get more eggs? Put all your eggs in the basket and then go get more eggs. Like that's the mentality, right? But we, we, by nature, get very stuck in our comfort zone, mostly because for those of you who don't know, and you feel like, why do I feel so stuck? It's because our, our brain is wired to protect us. And what feels most comfortable? It's not change. It's not diving into uncertainty. It's not facing failure. Staying where you are is most right. comfortable. Therefore, your brain translates that into this is the safe space. So, so don't go there into the unknown. What would you say is your superpower, maybe even your, I let me rephrase, your professional superpower to help people get out of their comfort zone and adopt, you know, the mindset that, that you are very fortunate to have, or, or at least you have been very wise to develop? I, I think that 
there is sort of this measuring stick that every single one of us has in terms of whether or not we're successful or not. And my measuring stick is just a little bit different. So if I had a a secret sauce, if you will, my, my secret sauce is like, I just do it. And I don't care if it goes viral. I don't care if it's the best book of all time or the best message of all time or like I just I don't have that scale. I'm just going to continue to do it. And so, for example, uh, we create, I don't know, 50 pieces of social media content a month. Is it all amazing? No, not at all. But you just keep creating it. I'm willing to write a chapter that doesn't resonate with you. I'm willing to do that. What? Because it's going to resonate Mm -hmm. with somebody. And here's the deal. I can't, you can't make a podcast better that you refuse to record. You can't edit a book you refuse to write. You can't, you can't get better if you don't get started. Does that (laughs) make sense? I hope somebody wrote that down (laughs) for me. That's and I I literally just just said that I'm like you know what I'm you should that <laughs> you can't get better Peter. but I I fully believe that like people just won't get started it's like no I'm already started I'm already down the field and so I can refine so many different things in my life because I got started so I just encourage people like continue to do stuff i consistently get myself in trouble like a good kind tell of tell me the last time you like got in trouble the tell me the last thing. time you got in trouble did i gotta know all right so like I, I i get myself in a lot of good trouble so chasing failure for example i told way too many people that i was trying out for an nba team before i ever had an nba mm, workout mm, mm. <laughs> I wasn't lying. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this documentary called Chasing Failure. It's just like, yeah, the only problem is you don't have an NBA team that's going to actually let you do it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so, like, I felt stupid every lunch. Hey, man, how's the NBA thing going? Oh, man, uh, you know, we're. And so it it forced me to go to Google and find like I didn't just go, oh, it'll be a great idea to find the public relations. Like I didn't think it was gonna work. I got pushed up against a wall that I put myself on. Mm-hmm. Like nobody forced, nobody asked me to do this. You know, it's like, and so it it forced me to do things that I normally wouldn't do. Uh, I just reached out to a new web developer that I really wanted to work with. My website's okay, but they sent me so much homework. I'm like, I don't have time to do this. Why did I sign up for this? This is crazy. But they're forcing me to get better. Like I'm putting myself in tough positions. Now, I don't know how to create an online course. I've never done that before. I called a course creation company. They sent me hours and hours and hours of homework. They said, so, hey, well, what do you want your course to be about? I don't know. I was hoping <laughs> you was going to tell me what my course should be about. They're like, well, why did you call us? So you can help me build a course. They're like, but 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 on what? I'm going, I don't know. I was hoping you would help me figure that out again. And so, but I have all of these meetings scheduled that I really don't want to take. 
but I do want to get better. Mm -hmm. And so, so I'm forcing myself to be uncomfortable. Like today I have a, an hour long meeting with a LinkedIn specialist, which I'm like, okay, well, but again, as non-excited as I am about that meeting, it's going to help me level up. It's going to help me get better. Would I rather go play basketball or take my wife out or go play with my kids? Probably. And I'll do that later. But it's just it's just one of those things. I'm consistently putting myself in a position of going, all right, today's a day where I get I have an opportunity to to get better. Most people don't put themselves mm-hmm. in that kind of mm-hmm. Yeah, the good kind of trouble sounds like, you know, kind of backing yourself up against the wall because you keep talking about it and it's almost like, okay, well, are you going to be about it? And even if you aren't about it right. yet because you've talked about it, it's activating something inside of you that continues to pull you even when you don't want to do the homework and when you don't want to have the calls. I actually right. had a guest on Sebastian Terry and he was talking about about goal setting. And, you know, some of the statistics around goal setting is really interesting. And you're speaking to one of them because, you know, we'll write down goals and we'll say that 30% that it's going to get done, right? The chances of it getting done, but then you tell somebody and it ups it to like 60 something percent. And so it's just, but I also, when I hear that, I also hear the power of our words. And a lot of times we talk ourselves out of stuff. I would say until I learned how sophisticated the mind was and how powerful words are, I was absolutely living unconsciously, (laughs) but thought I wasn't, but thought I, but I was, I was because I didn't understand the connection between the two. Your brain, although it's wired to keep you safe, it believes what you tell it. (laughs) So, so, and, and it goes even deeper than that. It activates what's happening, you know, in your soul. And I will tell you, I never thought that I thought that I would be an entrepreneur. I never thought that I would be a speaker, an author. You know, my my life story put me on this path as I became open and I surrendered to it. But then as I was on this path, I started to think, oh, oh, I am, or at least I can. Are there any moments where you can see how in your journey of being an entrepreneur? where your words completely activated that end result? And what was that experience like? Oh, you know, I, so I, I get to do, you know, over a hundred events a year speaking. It's a, it's a very fun career. It's a very rewarding career. However, the, the nature and how those events come about is very Mm -hmm. grueling. So I have, um, a couple of different ways that those events come about. Primarily, they come through my speakers bureau. Well, how my speakers bureau works is, you know, companies all around the world will call them and say, hey, you know, looking for a speaker. And they say, hey, we've got four based off of your budget, subject matter, expertise, so on and so forth, the criteria that they sent the bureau for what they're looking for. So, the bureau will send four or five speakers, and then that client will say, all right, we we like two of them. And if they like two of them, they'll say, okay, can we put a hold on their calendar? So like right now, I have 15 holds on my calendar, like as of right now. It's 15 people that are trying to decide between me and somebody else. I would say for 
every 10 holds, maybe three of them come through. Maybe four. But it's not, let's just, you know, let's say it was 50%. It's five people that are going, eh, we're good. And that never changes. Like, that is how my business is. And so, so there was one, I don't know, there was one day in October where I had 10 holds within the same hour all tell me no. Mm. How did that feel? And that terrible because <laughs> you're like this is like whoo like this is that's that that's a that's a tough one all all for the same month because you're always kind of doing a little bit of math of like okay it will three of these but you don't know you have no control over which three it ain't like you like oh this one's my favorite i want to do this one and i'm not going to do this one so you're waiting to be chosen always well, and I have more than enough, but yet I'd still the nature of my business. And I remember sitting right here when I got the news all within an hour about all 10. And I just got this, this sense. Hey, God's got purpose for all 10 of those days. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God's got it. Like, you may not be able to see that right now, but trust me that every single one of those moments you thought you wanted so bad, God's got a purpose for it. It's being held for another reason. It's being held for. And, and again, the next week I landed seven gigs. Yeah. It, it just, you just. That's the nature of the business. I mean, I get it. It is. You never, you really never know. It just yeah. is. Yeah. So I got, I got two rejections yesterday. And I got two calls yesterday for firm offers, you know? And so you, 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 you kind of have to have this Mamba mentality, this equilibrium of like, Hey, I'm going to continue to, to give my best to what's in front of me and, and yeah. keep it moving. Yeah. I had a very so. similar experience when I was starting off. And I mean, when you're, again, you just never know what this, any venture that you dive into, you have no idea what you don't know. So when I started this venture being a speaker, right. I didn't know what it looked like to get engagements. I didn't know how much you should get paid. I don't know who to contact, right? But I just started putting myself out there, set a goal. I wanted to speak at, you know, two events per month, even if they were unpaid, they were all unpaid. They were all unpaid in that first year. <laughs> and But then there was this one that I wanted to do. And this is when I was really like asking God, is this for real? Am I making this up in my mind or is this really what you're calling me to do? Because I feel like you're calling me, but I'm not getting these yeses that I need to solidify it. And so there was this one event that I really wanted to speak at. It's called Blog Her. And I wanted to speak at that event because I'd been to it two years earlier when I had started my journey as an entrepreneur and it was so energizing. I thought, well, I'd love to give back to this crowd. So I applied, you know, months ahead of time and uh, and I got my rejection letter. And I remember getting that rejection letter because it was the big the first big conference that I was like, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to pitch myself, which is a very vulnerable thing to do. <laughs> and so I, I got my rejection letter and immediately and this was the first time that I can like look back and say, that was when it first happened. I had the same thought. Like, I feel like, again, we are kindred spirits in this because I thought, well, I must be doing something else that day. God must have something else planned. And I let it go. I didn't let that rejection 
poison the rest of my day. And don't you know, on that exact same weekend uh, is when I was invited a few weeks later, but that weekend is when I gave my TEDx talk. And I was like, oh, yep, I guess I was busy. (laughs) I needed to be available for this. But But again, words have power. Like, are you going to you know, steep in that misery and in that rejection? Or are you going to choose to reset and give life to the new possibilities that are still maybe unknown? There's so much that's unknown. A hundred percent. I I, I couldn't yeah. agree more for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, and I think it's all about what you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I think the conversation you have with yourself is the most important conversation you're going to have all Agreed. week. Agreed on a daily basis on a daily basis. So are there any practices or strategies that you use personally to keep your head in the game? Because people don't know this side of our world where, yeah, we may get, you know, I mean, last year I was looking and there were so many proposals out there and there's just a percentage, right? That's just, it's a numbers game as well. And so I try not to be in the mix of the holds. I don't want to know until it's concrete. I'm very grateful. I have a phenomenal business manager. Shout out to Melissa. She's amazing. She's my right hand through all of this. So I don't have to be as close to those, you know, rejections, if you will. But I also, I still feel it. You know, I still notice it. I still know when I don't get something Uh, I'm looking forward to. So is there anything in particular you do to keep your head in the game and stay motivated when these, you know, setbacks or rejections or even obstacles that come into business? How, How do you keep your head, you know, where it needs to be to be productive? One of my mottos is, you know, control what you can give God the rest. You just, there's just so much that it's outside of your, of your control. And so you just, you just, I, I'm a firm believer of just giving your absolute best to what's directly in front of you and the rest will take care of itself. You know, I can't tell you how many times I was speaking at church and Someone walked up to me and says, Hey, I work for such and such company. You know, will you, will you come speak? It's like, well, I didn't do that to get that. No, I was just giving my best trying to add value to that room. And I added value to somebody enough to say, I want to invite you to come speak in my company. So you'd be surprised the amount of fortune 500 executives that are just sitting in an audience. You just, you just never know. And, you know, working with, MBA professionals, coaches, executives, athletes. There is certainly a hierarchy there, but I, I really give my best energy to all of them. There are household names that I speak to on a regular basis. And there are people that you've never heard of that never get in the game that I also speak to on a regular basis. I treat them both the same. And so I, I think that you know, there can be, well, this is a big opportunity and here's kind of a small opportunity. And sometimes my clients get confused because it's like, it's like, you're all in with us. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of all in with everybody. (laughs) You know, it's just like, are you excited about our event? I'm like, I'm excited about every event. It's like, it's an opportunity, like, but it's like, sometimes people can just get so focused on just their thing. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm locked in with you when I'm there, but when it's over, I'm 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 moving on to the next thing that I've also got to be locked in on as well. So so I think I think it's just important to to control what you can. I've 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 done it long enough to see the 
fruit and rewards of just giving your best to whatever room, whatever room you're in. Um, I got invited to speak to um, a room. I think there was maybe 15 people in the room. And some people might go, well, it's just, it's not a lot of people. It's at like a little cabin. It's not that big of a deal. Well, well that's a room full of, uh, they're all future CEOs and it's a group. And I love program. intimate spaces. You can go of, deeper, you can connect yeah. more. Yeah. So I, I think there's sort of a stigma of like, I want this stage. It's just like, it's overrated. You know, I, I think, I think just giving your best to who's, who's ever in front of you. If it's one-on-one, 10 people in a room, boardroom, locker room, arena, church, whatever it is for me, my mindset is I'm going to try and give my very best. Yeah. And there, there, and when you said it, I started to like laugh on the inside because I say I give my best and let God do the rest. That's actually my little, because that's yeah. all that you can do. You have to have this, like, you have to know how to release. I think there's an art with being able to release, to let go of the things that are no longer serving you, to, uh, you know, release the outcome to let it be its best, even if you are not completely in control of all the different elements that go into that, just, you know, owning your uh, owning your portion, as we were talking about, all of it is is easier said than done, if you will. But but the more that you practice it, the more it becomes natural. And I think that's something that as an entrepreneur has really, really helped me move forward when I do get a no or keep trying when I have failed is just knowing that if I can lay my head on the pillow at night and know that like I did my best, I can sleep with that because there are going to be times where you don't know, like you just mentioned, who is being moved in that moment. And even beyond that, though, let's talk about even beyond work. When you just show up in life and you are, you know, putting your best foot forward, which doesn't always mean being super positive and super energetic. Maybe it's being very patient with someone. Maybe it's just being, you know, kind and compassionate or, or gentle or whatever that looks like. But when you bring that light, you never know who's watching. You never know who is witnessing what you're doing. And I believe more than anything in the power of the ripple effect, that that interaction is going to make an impact, not just on the person who's experiencing or receiving it, but in the people who are also witnessing that experience. And so I love how you said that there, again, maybe we'll say it's the harmony between our effort and also our ability to release and let go and surrender. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, you could easily in in what we do, you could get really, really high on applause mm. and get really, really low on, on rejection. And I think there's something about just giving God both the highs mm. and the lows and you just keep Absolutely. it moving. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. so your book, uh, your new book, Level Up, is on the bestsellers list for the Washington, or excuse me, for the Wall Street Journal, which is fantastic. Congratulations. Right. Can you share any specific strategies or habits that you highlight in the book? Maybe just a couple. Don't give all, don't get all the goodies away. But yeah. what are some of those strategies that actually come from your personal experience of leveling up your life, your career, and even the company that you've built? Yeah, so the the book's called Leveling Up, 12 Questions to Elevate Your Personal and Professional Development. What we learned in our executive coaching practice is we're coaches, not cops. I don't tell you what to do. I, I want to give you tools to be able to level up your, your life or your career when I'm not in the room. 
And I think that starts with asking the right questions on a daily basis, part of that conversation that you're having with yourself. And so I've learned that questions serve my clients better than answers. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to give you the right question to be asking yourself so that you can level up. So for example, one of the questions that is highlighted in the book is what's the right thing to do? I'm not going to tell you what the right thing to do is. We could argue about that. But I think that our clients, I think that our friends, our family members should know that we're people of integrity and that we're trying to do the right thing. It doesn't mean we always do the right thing. It doesn't mean we always get it right. But I think the people in our life and career, they should think that person is trustworthy. They're going to try and do the right thing. You look at DeMar Hamlin, who has a cardiac arrest in the middle of a football game. Immediately, the entire country starts having a conversation about what's the right thing to do. Now, you could argue about it, but you could see it on the faces of the players, the coaches, and the NFL. They're going, we need to do the right thing right now. Now, sometimes, and and here's the funny thing about integrity and doing the right thing. It's not always proven. It's Mm. felt. So if you go buy a car, you can't prove if somebody's lying to you. You can't prove if that salesman is, is is trying to to do something in the best interest of him, of him or herself or the best interest of you, but yes. you can feel it. <laughs> and so what I coach people with is I go, hey, whether you're going to operate in integrity is up to you, but just know the people that work with you and live with you, they can feel when something's mm. off. I can't prove it. I can't take you to court. Sometimes <laughs> I can, but, but they can feel it. And when they feel feel like you're not the real deal. They just respect you less, whether they tell you or not. So you should be asking yourself, what's the right thing to do? Um, Another great question in the book, uh, my favorite chapter is chapter two. That question is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? I just don't think enough people are asking themselves Yes, I saw a little snippet of that and I was like, ooh, everybody needs to hear this. Please expand. Yes. So what's it like to be on the other side of me is the self-awareness question. That's the walking in every room, every Zoom going, I wonder what it's like to to be on the other side of experiencing me. So what's it like to be on the other side of a date with me? What's it like to be on the other side of traveling with me, a holiday with me, stuck in a group chat with me, in a fantasy football league with me, to do nine rounds of golf with me, to be in a Pilates class with me? You know, I think most people think, well, it's awesome. It's awesome to be my friend. <laughs> It's awesome to date. It's best. awesome to be married to me. It's <laughs> awesome to be parented by me. You know, like, yeah, you're lucky to have me in your life. And it's just like, I just, are you sure that, that that's a, that's a, that's a convenient narrative for us to have. In my book, I talk about biomythography. Biomythography is the story we tell ourselves that intertwines myth and reality. And you and I both have a little bit of myth going on and a little bit of reality. And so, It's not 100% accurate. It never is. We're off just a little bit. And so that's why I think it's important that you invite other people in to go, hey, what is it like to be on the other side of me? And I've learned a lot of lessons on self-awareness this past year, just from my son, my spouse, people that I work with. And I'm thinking, man, it's awesome to work with me. And they're like, yeah, Ryan, we don't get to travel. Mm. You Mm -hmm. get to travel. Mm Like, we don't get to, like, actually see the fruit of our labor. You do. Now, sure, we get paid, but, like, we don't, we we didn't, we didn't get to experience what you, 
what you got to experience. And so that was even eye-opening for me of going like, man, I need to bring my team along with me a little bit more than I have in the past so that they can see what all their hard work is mm-hmm. producing. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the question just makes us each a, a little bit more considerate mm-hmm. of the people that are in our world and how they're experiencing us. And I, I think what it's like to be on the other side of, of me at times can be very fun. And I also think it can also be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to have that wherewithal to go, you know, what? Uh, when it's exhausting, there's probably some changes mm-hmm. I need to make. I love so, those. Oh, listener, please go get that book. That is so we'll make sure it's in the show notes. I'm actually going to lock that away. Uh, that question. It's so good. What it's like to be on the other side. of What is it like to be on the other side of me? And I'm going to use it in moments where I know there's tension. And so that can give me a reflection of, yes. OK, what is this person receiving from me? I actually ask my son. Uh, we do this every time he gets a report card from school. He gives me a report card also. Yeah. And can we talk about some things like what am I, I don't know. We're in the preteen stages. So I'm like, what am I doing? Well, he's like, I love your cooking. You've said that since you were five. Okay. We need something new. Like that's thank you, but we need something else new. What can I work on? I'd love to wrestle more. I'm like, okay, again, we need to expand this. But, <laughs> but I think it is that's such awesome. a great practice for us to really check in with the people who are closest to us, who experience us on a regular basis. Yeah. Find out what that experience is like because you will get great feedback that will allow you to assess, am I really showing up as my best? And what are those areas where I need to level up? I'm so glad you put that in the book. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, you you are quite busy running so many different parts of the business, obviously being a husband and a father. I I cherish and appreciate this time that you've carved out for us. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people learn more about you and connect more with your work? RyanLeak.com. You know, it's got everything. Yes, and it is a beautiful website. I don't know what you're talking about. It's absolutely beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. Just, okay. You just wait. We, we, we got we got some plans. Excellent. So. Excellent. Well, Ryan, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you for blessing the world with your light and for continuing to to chase failure. Because I, you know, I would I would even go as far as to say, is I don't know if uh, if you hadn't chased failure, if you would be if our paths would have crossed the way they did today. Because uh, I really when when we look 100%. back, we can kind of connect those dots and see how they've led us to where we are. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I would just want to say, you know, heartfelt thank you for chasing failure. (laughs) Absolutely. I appreciate it. My pleasure. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.